co-director and co-founder of Inside Out and Associates Australia. She has extensive experience as a mental health educator, facilitator, consultant and mental health worker, as well as personal experience supporting a close family member. Over 25 years, Kath has facilitated critical conversations, organised a range of awareness-raising, educational and social action events, and designed and delivered successful conferences, workshops, seminars and courses for a range of people committed to better approaches to mental distress experiences. Kath has published book chapters and articles and co-developed course materials and learning resources. She sat on state and national committees focused on mental health education and systems transformation. Through her work, Kath has demonstrated a commitment to promoting peer-led, human rights-based, trauma-informed, recovery-orientated approaches to mental distress with an emphasis on the knowledge that comes from lived experience. Kath's chapter, Facing Failure, is born from personal experience, but I'll let the author herself tell you more about that. Welcome, Kath, and thanks for joining me. So the first question I have for you, Kath, is who are you and what is your business name? Uh, Okay, Tracy. Well, um, my business is called Inside Out and Associates Australia. I co-founded that business with two other people. Um, one of whom remains involved with the business. So who who I am and, and how that fits with my business is that I'm a mental health educator, facilitator and consultant and also a mental health worker. And I also have experience with a, supporting a close family member for many, many years. That is obviously one of the reasons why I've kind of ended up involved with Inside Out and Associates Australia, which is an organisation that emerged from those interests and a real desire to use intentionally lived experience to um, inform and transform responses to mental distress experiences. So my co-founder is Sandy, and Sandy is um, someone with lived experience of mental distress who's been a long-time advocate and and educator. And so between the two of us, we really feel that that combination of experience is really effective in coming up with some different approaches to those experiences. And who do you work with? So we work with a whole range of people. Our consultancy has provided services to mental health services, uh, community-managed organisations, to carers groups, to people themselves with lived experience who want to have a voice, uh, with peer support workers who are people who are employed by services to intentionally use their lived experience to support others. Uh, we've done work with the forensic hospital, other small organisations and um we really work with everyone and our, our premise is that it's having these conversations outside of clinical settings that involve everyone is really, really crucial to facilitating better understandings of distress experiences, taking them out of the medical model and um, returning those conversations to communities. Because we feel, and there's a lot of evidence to support this, that the medicalization of mental distress or what we call mental illness um, or what the community calls mental illness 
um, has in fact communicated a message that you have to be a professional to adequately support people. Reduced community confidence in the ability, their ability to engage with people who are struggling. Tell me, how did you get involved with the business book given the advocacy around mental health issues and, and things like that? How do you come to be involved with a, a business book? Yeah, yeah. So um, that was also through my connection with someone who'd been involved in Volume 2. She told me about it and encouraged me to, um, I think without some encouragement, I probably wouldn't have put myself forward. I don't really think of myself as a business person. I'm really one of those people who set up a business because of a passion. I mean, I guess a lot of us do that. I came to this with no business experience and certainly no family members with business experience. You know, I don't have anyone in my family who's run their own business or anything like that. So I think that, um, yeah, it's been quite a shift for me to think about myself as someone who has something to offer the world of business and thinking about business. And it's a really interesting chapter that you've chosen to write. So tell me, what's your chapter called? And in a nutshell, what's the chapter about? Yeah, so the chapter's called Facing Failure. I mean, even now, sometimes I wonder about <laughs> where, how sensible a topic that was to pick in a business book. But actually, I think that, um, well, I wrote it because I myself experienced a fairly significant failure some years ago. And I would say that that experience was pretty devastating at the time and continues to affect me, sometimes in, often in good ways, but sometimes in not so good ways. And I think at the time I looked for information that would help me. You know, I had a great sense of responsibility for the business that I was running. My confidence uh, was really rattled. So I was trying to find information that would help me kind of deal with this experience and integrate it and understand it. And um, I felt that there was um, a lack of what I needed out there. So I think in a way what I've ended up doing is writing what I feel like I needed at the time based on all the research that I did uh, through that period. And, and hopefully it's something that will be helpful for others and resonate with others. There's a, a saying in the business community, fail fast, fail often and fail mm. forward. Are you comfortable talking through your story as you kind of outlined it in the chapter? For me, the story is no longer the point, but it's the learning from the story. And I think that's very consistent with a lot of the ways that we work in my business. So in my business, we use personal story a lot, um, learning from lived experience. Uh, but we also acknowledge that not everyone has to lay bare their experiences in order to effectively share their story. So people can share experiences, feelings, learnings, mm -hmm. you know, and make very conscious choices about how much of that story they, they choose to, to expose. And I think for me it's quite hard to tell my story without that affecting other people. So it's not just myself that I have to think about, it's actually other people and so that's the reason why I choose not to to go into the detail. 
Understood. Quite frankly, I don't know any any fellow business owners that haven't had a failure of some description. It, it just varies on the Richter scale, so to speak. And there's a, an interesting conundrum that often we get wedded to the story and the story becomes part of who we believe that we are. So the fact that you are able to for want of a better word, disassociate yourself from the story and capture the learnings. How can other people do that? In the heat of the moment, when they're going through it or even suffering, you know, potentially PTSD from having gone through a significant failure, how do you not become the failure? How do you create that separation between experience and self? I'm not sure that I can honestly say that that's possible. It certainly wasn't the case for me. I was that story for a long time and so that's probably why it's taken me some time to even be able to talk about it in the way that I do now. Certainly a few years ago I wouldn't have been able to to do that. So I think there is a, a period of time for me and, and that may not be the case for everyone but for me where um, that allows me to distance and to gain some perspective. And it was actually through really finding some close, trusted people who I could really talk to and tell the story to that was crucial for then being able to move beyond the story and to be able to start thinking about the learning. I think also for me it was a bit about, well, you know, you can't always resolve the things that happened in the way that you'd like to. So finding ways to learn from it and move beyond it uh, was kind of like a, a something I could do. So I was able to put my energy into that. You mentioned earlier around starting a business around passion. It's still a very popular thing. Find your passion and you'll never work a day in your life. In your words and in your understanding of the experiences and the businesses that you've lived through now, what are the pros and cons to working from a passion? Uh, well, look, I think um, everything has its shadow side, even the most positive things like passion and working from your passion there's a shadow side. We, we talk about in mental health, we often talk about help, that there's this, this idea that help is this kind of positive thing, but actually help when it's not wanted, not needed, or when it communicates messages of powerlessness or power differential, you know, actually there's a shadow side there and it's not as effective. And I think that part of doing anything effectively is being able to see the good and the not so good aspects of what you're doing. So yeah, I think passion's important. It's what gets you up in the morning. It's what keeps you going when the bank balance runs dry or <laughs> things don't go to plan. But it's it's uh, if that's the only thing that's holding uh, what you're doing together, then it's a shaky ground. Uh, for anyone, whatever emotional experience you're going through, whether it's failure, whether it's loss, whether it's feeling isolated and separated, I think that all of that stuff is hard to hold, you know, and 
the people around us, you know, some are really good at it and some are not so good. And I always found that the reactions and the responses that were really helpful for me are the ones that were validating, that didn't kind of try to package up what I was feeling and put a positive spin on it, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of honoured the feelings that I was having um, because I actually believe and, and I think in, in my years of experience, 25 years of experience in mental health and talking to people about their experiences, that um, if we don't honour this stuff, we can't um, integrate it. It's much harder to integrate it. It's when we kind of have to package it up, put it away, hide it and pretend that it's all been dealt with neatly. I think that's when we fall into problems as, as human beings. So for me, this idea of failure, it's a human experience, as, as, as you mentioned, and I think that that's really helpful for, ever, for people to understand. But I do think there's a bit of a story of, well, I failed, but it was a stepping stone to success. But at the time, it doesn't feel like that. And it isn't always. You talk about honouring the experience. If you're the person going through the experience and you're seeking assistance to help move through or to deal with what's going on at the time, as a supporting person to the one going through an experience, how does one do that? What are some examples of ways that I could assist you in honouring the experience? So I think ask that question. <laughs> ask people what they need, you know, um, and work it out together. So, and this is true, I don't think just for my situation, I think this is true for a lot of situations that often our we resort to, and, and look, you know, I mean, cliches, it's natural. It's, no one should feel guilty about resorting to a cliche, um, you know, oh, we're human, oh, this happens, you know, fall down seven times, get up eight, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, there's, there are truths in that. That's why that we use those um, cliches as frequently as we do because there's some truth. But if that's the end of the conversation, I think rather than having them as a closing to the conversation, I can't hear this anymore, uh, to an opening, wow, you know, you, I'm really hearing you struggle with this and I'm just wondering I'm not really sure what I can offer you at the moment is what do you need? What do you need from me? Um, let's see and if, if there's anything I can do. And the person may well say, well, I just actually need someone I can talk to. I have one friend who I just every Monday afternoon I would call that friend and they would have that time free and I knew that I wasn't over-imposing on that person to kind of gain that support. So we just established some agreements around, you know, when would be a time that she would be able to be present for me and uh, when I would be able to just, you know, <laughs> let it all out, say what I needed to say. And then I could kind of move on for the next few days and keep doing what I needed to do. I mean, everyone's different. Everyone will provide different things. I think sometimes even just communicating we're all human but in a way that's one person said to me, Kath, if this could happen to you, this could happen to anyone. And um, that was a very validating message and I guess in a way it's kind of we're all human message but it was communicated in a way that was very direct to me and my situation 
and the professional relationship I had with that person. Um, I, and I kept going back to that. It was something that I would have in my head. And I think also um, the other thing is understanding that sometimes we can hear people in these situations and they sound like they're in denial or they sound like they don't really fully understand the depth of what's happened. And I would say that actually we only are able to face that stuff to the degree that we're supported to. So I think also not thinking, oh, this person doesn't get it, so i kind of got to get the stick out and make sure they really understand, but rather kind of going, wow, it really sounds like, you know, this is, you know, what else, what else, you know, really kind of um, encouraging that person to kind of talk about it and and think about the the impact. I don't know if that really makes sense, but I think that, it's that it's only through, well, for me, it was definitely through people's kindness and their support that enabled me to kind of take on the burden of the failure itself. As a supporting person, what are some ways that you can protect yourself from taking that energy on? I would say that I've learned a bit about this, not just from my own experience of failure, but from my experience as a a child of a parent with very severe mental distress experiences. So I said earlier that one of the reasons why I work in this field and why I set up Inside Out is because my own experiences um, as a family member and primary support person, I'm the oldest child of a single parent family. So um, the support of my mum really fell to me and she had uh, very extreme experiences which had the label of bipolar. Uh, so, you know, I think I learnt some skills through my life as well of kind of how to do what you can, how you can be be there for someone the best way you can and what you need to do to look after yourself to enable that. And I think one thing is to be really aware of what your limits are. And maybe one of your limits is time. So if one of your limits is time, thinking about, well, how much time can I offer and is there an agreement I can make with that person? You know, maybe the limit might not be so much time, but your emotional energy. And again, I think that's something that you can communicate to the persons like, you know, I, I care about you so much that listening to this really affects me as well. So I'm wondering if we can work out a way of having this conversation so that it finishes on a note that is um, a bit more buoyant or provides us both with a bit more energy to move forward and agree on what that might look like. So I think there's ways of communicating with people. Um, The other thing is also I think that, and I know this was certainly my experience um, as a, as a young person looking after my mum was I think I felt the need to be everyone. And, and what I learned in the end was that I could do what I could do, you know, and I would do my best at doing what I could do, but I didn't have to do what other people should be doing. So kind of um, being aware of that as well. Why do you think we avoid failure? <laughs> well, because it's painful and uncomfortable and (laughs) it makes us feel bad I guess I mean I think we fail I think we avoid a lot of 
complex and human experiences, I think because also they're hard to understand at times. To draw a parallel to the the world of voice hearing, for example, you know, for, for many, many years we've avoided engaging with people around those experiences because if you haven't had them, they seem foreign and hard to understand and you're uncertain about where to go with it and what's okay and what's not okay. And now we're kind of recognising that, in fact, one of the most helpful things we can do is engage with people about those experiences, not to ignore them or put them under the carpet, but actually ask the person about them and learn about them and work out what the voices mean. And so I think it's something about fear and discomfort that stops us from going a lot of those places with people. You talk about making it okay to fail. What what do you mean by that? I think it's something about the process of repair and the process of um, kind of getting back on your feet and communicating a range of messages. I mean, maybe that's it too is that or even just the people who were so helpful for me were the people who would indicate their own experiences of failure that you just don't hear as a matter of course. You know, suddenly there are people around me talking about their own experiences of failure and I'd had no idea that they'd had those experiences and I just assumed that they were like these, you know, perfect people and everything went right for them. Do you know what I mean? So I think unless people kind of tell that story, you don't, um, you're not aware. Um, But I do think there's a skill to telling that story so that the focus is still on the person, so that it's a sharing of experiences, it's indicating understanding, it's validating, but it's not then shifting the focus onto me and what happened to me. You mentioned there about being able to to share your story in a way that retains the light on the person going through the journey rather than, you know, shifting the let's talk about me for a moment. So for example, at the at the start of our conversation, you were like, I don't need to share my story now. It's about the the learnings and the experiences that came out of the back of that experience how do you relate that story when somebody's going through something without falling back into the trauma of the experience for yourself so I I think that um in really kind of just maybe uh stating one of the learnings from your own experience like uh you know you might say to that person yeah I remember a time in my life when I really felt I'd failed and I felt completely alone with that. And I'm wondering if that's how it feels for you. So you've said a little bit about your understanding. You haven't necessarily told your story, but you've taken it back to the person. And then they can say, um, yeah, it, it feels really alone, but I'm also sh- amazed by the number of people who've stood by me and stayed connected to me and that's been my lifeline or, you know, whatever their response is to that. So I think there's a lot of ways that we can communicate understanding um, without having to tell the, you know, the details of the story itself. I'm sure there are times for telling the details as well. I'm not saying it's not like, oh, you never do that. It's just saying that there's there's another option and I think that when 
people are processing their own experience, um, if we want to be supportive for that person, um, one way of doing that is to communicate understanding while keeping the focus on their process. You talk about mantras in there. Yeah. How can mantras help? I think mantras help because you need something that you can kind of use as a um, to, to, to derail the obsessive <laughs> failure thoughts and be all pervasive. And so I used to have, I'd keep images in my phone of all different kind of mantras. And when I heard something that resonated for me, I'd, you know, I'd either find an image with that quote or I'd just type it into my phone. So I had, and so from, you know, I had, I had reams of this stuff. <laughs> it won't necessarily work for everyone, but it certainly worked for me. And it was a, it was a way of derailing the other thoughts and the other kind of um, feelings that were so prevalent. And they were just uh, kind of reminders that would ground me when I needed that. We're coming up to time. I'm interested to know for anyone listening in or that picks up the book and is looking at your chapter, what's the one takeaway that if you could wish for anyone to get from our conversation or from reading your chapter, what's the one takeaway that you'd like to leave with them? I think the takeaway is something to do with our common humanity. And I think because I would like people to take away a message that's also consistent uh, with my with my business, with Inside Out and Associates. And I think that the more we can understand our diverse experiences as being just what it is to be fully human, the better we can understand and respond to those experiences that you know, packaging up experience under the label of illness or, you know, badness or, you know, incompetence or, you know, those sorts of things I think is largely unhelpful and it alienates people. Whereas I think that, you know, and again, here we are on the edge of a cliche, (laughs) which is that we're all human. Um, But it's, it's, one we say a lot because it's true, is is to really kind of tap into our common humanity and that failing is is definitely um, a, a part of that. People listening to this, reading the chapter that resonate with the work that you're doing and, and what you've espoused today, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with you? How do they work with you? People can get in touch with us through our website, uh, which is www inside out conversations with an s on the end dot com dot au um, or they can email me at kath at inside out conversations dot com dot au uh, they can also find us on facebook which is inside out and associates australia fantastic kath thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure i loved reading what you had to say i think you offer some very valuable advice and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and reading the chapter that it will resonate very strongly with. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Tracy. It was really lovely to talk to you. 